Hey, uh, by the way, those of you joining online, those of you who are new, my name is Trent Walker. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm the one on the schedule to preach today. So we're in the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. But before we get to that, I made an announcement last week, so I'm going to take a little, uh, a little pulpit time to, to, to just let you know what the decision was that the elders made last week. Um, we proposed uh, the idea of an all-mask, all-the-time service on Saturday evenings at 530. Um, Asked you to pray if that's what the Lord wants us to do and to give the elders and the pastors wisdom. Last week, we did decide to do an experiment through the month of October. We have some criteria set. Uh, if it's under that criteria, then we will uh, if it doesn't meet the numbers that we're looking for, um, then at the end of October, we'll probably close it out. But if it is at or above the number we've kind of set, we will visit, revisit it in you know, two or three weeks down the road and, and decide if we're going to continue it through November or into December or something like that. So here's, here's what I want you to be thinking about. Um, if you come to Saturday night, uh, wonderful. We ask, the, the, the doors will open 15 minutes before the service. They will close 15 minutes after they'll lock up. We ask that you come in with a mask, that you keep your mask on the whole time, and that you leave with a mask. And even the preacher and the musicians and that kind of thing, we will have our masks on all the time until we stand up on stage to do our thing. We will take them off then. And then before we come back off the stage, we will put them back on. Um, I have heard little birdies tweeting um, that some people are like, I like the Saturday night idea. That's better for my schedule, but I'm, gonna, I'm not wearing a mask because I think the whole thing's made up. I completely understand the frustration. I do. But I don't think a Saturday night worship service is the time to make a political stance against or for something. This is a time to worship God. And we have many people... Pastor Greg's brother-in-law is a perfect example of this. There's some underlying health issues. There are a lot of people that are having to make decisions that they would rather not make, but they can't be here because of any concern or fear or uh, higher risk. And we don't know what those, co those, those underlying health issues are. And quite frankly, it's none of our business. But we'd like to create an opportunity that we can meet people where they are. Some of these folks have not been eye to eye with people that they normally worship with for six months. I don't think, let me just show you. If someone asks me to do this, they're not asking me to sin. There's nothing in scripture, even in hesitations, 13, nine. Thou shall not put a mask over your nose. Is it inconvenient? Yeah. Is it frustrating? I mean, when you get out of your car and you forgot it, and you're going into a store, you're like, oh, okay. But if there are people that, can, that want to worship God face to face and eye to eye, and they, they, they need to be able to be assured that there's a mask all the time, just like Jesus didn't wait for us to figure out how to get to him, he came to us. So I'm asking all of us, if you come on Saturday night, please do, we'd love to have you. But please honor your brother and your sister and consider someone else's needs above and beyond your own. Because if God didn't do that for us, we'd all be doomed. That said, number two, um, Mosaic starts meeting in person again, uh, inside in the Mosaic in the original sanctuary next week, Sunday, so please be praying for them. And Gospel Community Church, our first of two, or first of four, but our first church plant, uh, they started meeting from outside to inside. 
um, last week in their conference room. They do not have enough room to have their congregation all in one spot. So please be praying for their for them to find a new spot. They were at West Ottawa um, Fine Arts Center, but because of the whole uh, epidemic thing, uh, the school's not letting any other outside parties come in and use their space. So they're looking for a space. Uh, and then there was one other thing that just, I just lost it. So what's that? Oh yeah, ne- next week, um, the weather's turning. Thank you, Chris. The weather's turning. And so the elders made some decisions on uh, changing a few things that we do on Sunday mornings to accommodate the weather turning. So watch for something in the, via email this week. If you don't get the emails, call in and we'll let you know. Uh, but though, Pastor Doug will send something out this week explaining how things are going to look a little bit different, probably a little bit, feel a little bit more free on a, on a Sunday morning. Um, so that being said, I'm going to pray and that will at least let the video editor know that the sermon starts after the prayer. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for elders for people with wisdom, for people that consider, for people that listen, for people that, that understand that as many different people as we have, we have that many different opinions and thoughts and ideas. Lord, we pray that you are blessed by the decisions that this church makes, that we trust that you've led us to make the ones that we've made. We ask now that you join us. We've been worshiping you. We've been lifting you up with in, in melody, uh, in, with instruments, with words, with ideas. And we pray and hope that you receive those as fragrant offerings to you. And now we ask in return that you join us, that you speak to us, that you tell us what you want us to know, that you show us you even better. Lord, stand in my shoes, give me your thoughts and speak with my mouth so that this message is your message for us, not my message for them. And most importantly, Lord, give us hearts to receive what you want us to receive. We pray this in Jesus' name for his glory and for his sake. Amen. Um, You ever have a great idea? And I don't mean the kind of idea that people, there's always, oh yeah, he's an idea guy. He doesn't do anything. Oh, I get it. But I mean, think, here's a great idea. Paint rollers. You imagine painting without a roller? If you had to do a whole wall or a house, can you imagine? A paint roller, that's a great idea. I hope whoever invented that is a multi-billionaire or, what, I, or his family is being blessed still. I've had a couple of good ideas in my life, just a couple. Uh, one of them was in 1992. We had our new daughter. We had a, we had a 1990 Toyota Corolla stick, little white one. And we, youth pastor didn't have any money to speak of, um, and we had to buy from garage sales things for our daughter. So the little thing that I always love seeing these big, strong, masculine men carrying that little, that little thing with the, you know, the little carrying thing. Um, and then they have a car seat, and then you have a stroller, and then you have the travel stroller. I just remember when I'm carrying Elise, my daughter, out and, and getting ready to put her in the car, and I got to take her out of that thing and put her in the car seat, and then later you got to take her out of that and put her in a stroller. And I just had this brilliant idea one time with my wife. I said, someone should come up with the idea that all those things work together, that you pull it out of the stroller, you put that, or that little carrier, and it clicks in as a car seat. You know what? About eight months later, there it was. After that car, my father-in-law traded my old Nissan truck that ended up breaking, I mean, literally breaking. 
the frame broke. But he wanted a truck to go to the dump with. And so I drove it to Boston and came home with a, I don't know, a 1988 Ford Taurus wagon. And it was, my, my cars had always had the roll down window um, and no power anything. But I, I had this new Taurus wagon that had a little button on the side of the seat that you could push forward and back and up and down. And man, that was awesome. But my wife and I would trade off driving that car and she's not tall. Lynn, you're short. She says she's 5'3". I'm, I was, at the time I'm six one, now I'm six foot gravity. Um, but I would get, I try to get in and you, you hit your knees on the steering wheel and, it, and it's like, man, someone, with all this electronic stuff, someone should have it so that it memorizes a couple of different, you push a button before you get in and it just adjusts mirrors and everything. Sure enough, a couple of years later, people came out with it. The next idea no one's come out with. So if you're an engineer and you come up with it, you, you design it, put me on the patent. I don't want to eat cat food in retirement. Well, my daughter, uh, she used to love pigtails. She had the pigtail sticking out all the time. And we always made her wear a helmet when she rode her bike. And so I thought, you know, if she puts a helmet on, it, it, it either makes the helmet come way up because the pigtails are pumping up or it's pushing maximals down into her head. What about having a little slit that you can just pull them up or in the back? I think that's a great, plus it would be adorable. So, but no one, that's a great, well, it's not a great idea. It's a mediocre idea. But the reason I'm asking the questions about ideas, I want you thinking about ideas because we often think of God, God is a loving God. God is a merciful God. God is a grace-filled God. God is a sovereign God. God is a providential God. He, he, he provides for us. But we don't often think of God being an idea God. But he is. There is nothing that exists in this world today that he hasn't thought of. Even before creation, why God decided, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Three persons, one God, that, that's, a, that's a conundrum in and of itself, but it is complicated and wonderful. But there's a relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit called the perichoretical relationship between the, the three. A non-competitive, always loving, mutually submissive love relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is no need that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as the Godhead, there's no need for anything else to be completely and utterly God. But some, for some reason... God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit decided that we, we're gonna create. We're gonna, make a, we're gonna make a universe. We're gonna make a world. And then we're gonna make some beings. We're gonna breathe our, our image into those beings. And they're gonna, they're gonna mess up. Oh, are they gonna mess up? But we're gonna love them so much and I don't think there's three gods. Please don't hear any of that. I'm just using the, the, the it says that let us, make God, let us make man in our own image. It's a, it's a plural, um, plural pronoun in, in Genesis 1. Um, we love, we're going to love them so much that when they mess it up that bad, we're going we're gonna to continue to pursue. And then we're gonna show, they're going to they're find out that they can't get to God by doing good. And so... I, Jesus, am gonna come and do good for them. And I'm gonna become one of them. And I'm gonna become sin for them. And then I, I'm gonna take their sin to hell. And then I'm gonna come back, I'm gonna take the sting out of death. So I'm gonna suffer death so they don't ever have to suffer the consequence of it. And then I'm gonna rise. And I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, of, the Holy Spirit is gonna live inside of people. That's the gospel, folks. It's God's idea. And it's not an idea that you or I would have had. In 1988, I was on Young Life staff in DuPage County, Illinois. We'll get to the scripture here. Trust me, I'm just trying to set this all up. Um, 
was on Young Life staff. I was in Elmhurst, Illinois, but we, the whole area was DuPage County. And so some of the, the male leaders um, who liked ideas um, from Downers Grove, Hinsdale, and Elmhurst would gather together on Saturday mornings and, and, and talk about theology, total nerd stuff. And one of the people that we were reading, Lewis Sperry Schaefer, he said, God could have redeemed us, bought us back, saved us any, numer- any number of ways, but this is the way he decided. And we got in debate. In fact, two of those guys still don't talk because it was, no, he could not. He, this is the only way. Well, because we think it's the only way, it's the only way because that's the, way, that's the idea that God had. It's the way God did it. But is God capable of all kinds of, of course. But it was, it was just, it was one of those, what is the gospel and is God bound to it? No, until he initiated it. God has connected himself to his idea of humanity being loved, humanity being known, and humanity coming to know God. This is everlasting life, says John 17, 3, that they know you, the one true God. Now we're gonna read Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10, and it is glorious and wonderful stuff. But I'm gonna ask you to listen for just three major things. Dead, but God, and it doesn't come in that, it doesn't come, there's a sentence in between there. In in Greek, it's but God. Here it, it says, but out of his great love for us, God. But just listen for but God and then listen for workmanship. And we're gonna spend most of our time on the workmanship piece. But I want you to hear what Paul is saying, what God is saying through Paul to the church in Ephesus. It reads like this. He just talked about the church. He just talked about all the things that God had done. And he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That is the spirit, of the, uh, that is the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not not by works so that no one can boast, For we are, he changes. Notice he says, you, you, you. And then he says, we, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It is loaded with theology. This is the gospel in 10 verses. You were dead in sins and transgressions. And we all know this here. But a lot of us have been raised in the church. Some of us don't remember a time when we weren't Christian, when we didn't know that God loved us, when we weren't trying to respond to him. But spiritually speaking, every human being that's ever been born, now Adam and Eve weren't born, 
Every human being that's ever been born is born dead, except one, Jesus. He was born without the condition of sin that we inherited from our father and our mother all the way back to Adam and Eve. We're dead. Not had a bad day dead. Not, oh my goodness, I almost but dead, dead. In the eyes of God, we, when we die, we die and we're dead. We're gone. We're done. We're annihilated. We're, 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 outside of, we're outside of the presence of God. But so that's the condition we find ourselves in. And I always find that people look at Christianity and they think it's all about rules. You know, it's all, you're just this and you're this and you're all judgmental. And You know what? There's more rules in Yahtzee. And it's not a great game. There's 10. There's 10. But Christianity's not about rules. In fact, it's a great idea, but it's not an idea I would ever come up with because I would figure out a way to make it fair. And there's nothing, well, there's one thing fair in Christianity. Everybody's born dead. Everybody starts at the same spot. It's a level playing field, so to speak. Everyone's doomed. But God decided to give us grace and mercy and the faith to respond to them, I would have come up with an idea where you get what you got coming. If you're good enough, you get blessed. If you're good, you get a mostly good eternity. If you're kind of bad, you get a kind of bad eternity. And if you're really get torture, because that's how we think. The only thing fair about Christianity is that everybody starts off in the same spot. Other than that, nothing about Christianity is fair. We get what we don't deserve, grace, and we don't get what we do deserve, mercy. We deserve to be punished. We deserve to be annihilated. We deserve to be separated from God forever, but we're not. And it's because of God's great mercy. And he's so rich in love for us that he not only gave us grace, getting what you don't deserve, but he gave us the faith to respond to the grace. We're saved by grace. That's the, that's the how. And the means by which we're saved is faith. And the fact that you could respond to the grace of God means that God has already chosen you and picked you and given you the ability to respond to his grace. That is a glorious and wonderful thing. You're dead, but God, not me, not you, not by what we do, not by what we don't do, not by what we say, not by what we don't say, not by who we, who we love and who we don't love. None of that. It's saved by grace through faith, period. And that is a great idea. It's not one I would have had. But can I start thinking of other people with the idea of grace instead of the idea of people should get what they got coming? See, because that's what God did with you. It tells us here that, that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's some, I don't even know how to start on this one. Workmanship, the word there, I don't, I don't like the English choice here. You, we are God's workmanship. Because to me, workmanship sounds like carpentry. And I have nothing against it. I've got someone coming next week to put a new outside door in our house because it's where Lynn's office is. It's really drafty and it's got some rot and it needs to be fixed and it's going to be done. And by the way, it's a very reasonably priced thing, but it's double if I watch. <laughs> and it's triple if I took a look at it. 
I'm gonna let the person do what they do. And I'm gonna lie, I'm gonna look at it, I'm gonna be glad it's there and it's gonna be sealed tight. And, and, but that's, that, that to me is workmanship and it's, something, it's a gift someone else has or a skill that they developed that I don't. Okay, but I don't look at that and go, wow, that's how God sees me, a new exterior door. The word here is poema and that's where we get the word poem. But how many of you write a lot of poetry? I mean, publish, publishable poetry. How many of you are able to grasp the emotional, uh, the, the emotional experience and the existential angst of humanity and put it in rhyme and meter? Most of us know. Okay, poema could be composition, like, a, like, like an author writing an epic novel. How many of you have sat down and over the course of a year or more written an epic tale that thousands have read and it moves their heart and changes their soul and they recommend it to everybody else, a book that someone buys that they pass around to 50 different people? Nah, most of us know. Okay, composition, music. music. What about melody and writing a symphony? or an opus, a numbered, a numbered work. I mean, I, I'm blown away by, by my wife that she's able to put in three and a half minutes with lyric and melody and, 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 and instrumentation all together that she's able to, 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 put, to, to, to create an idea and to communicate something, the, the mood and the tone and the pace and the cadence and all of that that I can't even come close to in 30 minutes. And I'm paid to do just that. But most of you aren't, composers. So what is it that most of us understand that is also indicative of this word that we are God's poema? You think? Are you a thinker? You ever have an idea? You ever have an idea that you couldn't shake? You ever have an idea that you just thought, not the little helmet with the pigtail, that's not what I'm getting at. But did you ever have an idea that you thought, oh, I've just landed on something. I've landed on something that I'm not sure anyone else has ever landed on in the, in the history of creation. You are God's idea. Before he turned darkness to light, before he separated the waters from the land, before he breathed life into Adam and gave him spirit, God was thinking about you. Not only was he thinking about you, but he's gonna always be thinking about you. So before the beginning of time, God thought about you. And when it was for such a time as this, it was time for you to be born. You have any idea how many miracles had to happen for you, for that egg and that spermatozoa to come together to produce you? If any, any number of things, any timing could have been off. It wouldn't have been you, but God worked all things together to make you come into being when you came into being and he made it so that you grew up the way you grew up. You grew up with the parents that you grew up with. You have the struggles that you've had. All of those things he's been thinking about, is thinking about and knows what he's gonna produce as a result of it. Everything. It's not, he doesn't take away our, our will, but he knows me so well and knows you so well that he knows the decisions that you're gonna make in any given time. Doesn't mean that you don't get to make them. It just means that he's always thinking about you. Do you normally think about God always thinking about you? Or do you normally think that, well, man, when it's really hard right now, God, God, listen, 
You know, you're praying for your, your son or your daughter that's not walking with the Lord. Well, God's probably paying attention then. He's probably thinking about me then. He's probably thinking about him then or her then at the same time. But, or when things are going gloriously and you decide to give thanks to God, you're like, oh yeah, God's noticing right now. But do you know that he's thinking about you right now? He's thinking about the thoughts that you're having right now. He knows the thoughts that you're having right now. And he knows that when you walk out of here, when you walk past me and you go, man, this whole thing about God's idea, that might've worked for you, but didn't really work for me. Okay, but he knows when you say, good try, pastor, that he knows all that's gonna happen and, he's gonna, and he knows what he's saying to me. See, you are God's idea and God does not have bad ideas. He never has. You ever think of, there's an old comedian, I don't remember his name, but he, he had this great little line. He says, you ever think Beethoven sat down and wrote something bad? You ever think he sat down and said, everybody was kung fu fighting? No, it's a terrible song. I don't know why it ever got out on the radio. Sorry, if you're the composer and you're watching, I really apologize, but come on. Do you think God's ever had a bad idea? You think that when he conceived of you, Father, Son, Holy Spirit are sitting around the heavenly breakfast table and going, hey, what about, what about Chris Peters? Nah, of course not. Because you're his masterpiece that he's still creating. He's not just turning the clay. He already knows what it's gonna be. And there's gonna be a time when that clay has to go into the kiln and be baked so that it becomes what it's supposed to be. And there are times when you go through the kiln and you're baked. There are times when you go through trial and you're hardened in a good way. There are times that you, that you are betrayed. There are times that, that people turn on you. There are times that, that, that you didn't get your way. There are times when it didn't go your way when you thought you were hearing God and it turned out that you weren't. He knows all of that. He's thinking about all of that. And he assures you in all of that, that all things will work together for the good for those who trust in Christ. In all things, God's gonna work together for your good, for your salvation. And the fact that you've already responded to God's salvation means that you're agreeing with his wonderful idea that is you. God is thinking about you, even men, when you're not thinking. When you're like, what are you thinking about Nothing. That's the goal. Women don't believe us, but it's true. When you're not thinking about anything, God's thinking about you. The beauty is that God is capable of every human being on the planet of thinking about what they're thinking about, thinking about his desire for them, thinking about his plan for them, and allowing so many different things to come together so that each experience is had so that it will lead to whatever God's idea is. And I hope you're encouraged by that. You're God's exterior door. You're God's idea. And he's still thinking it. And you have no, you're still in the infancy of that idea in his mind. He knows what's coming. You don't, but you know the one who does. So here's the challenge piece of this. Other than just receiving the grace, the mercy, and the faith that God gave you to respond to those things, other than, 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 than pulling Jesus into your own life and saying, Lord, not my will, but yours. Other than those things, you know that the people that you look at, the people that you come in contact with, the people that judge you, that they're God's idea too? And God doesn't have bad ones. 
They might not know that they're God's idea. They may not even know that God is God, much less he's a thinker. But God made them and he loves them. And if you're coming in contact with them, with his ideas, you've been created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do. Those people, those God ideas might be, probably are some of the good works that he's prepared in advance for you to do, to love them, to show them mercy, to show them grace, to when they're judging you, not judge them in return. See, there's no one on this planet because every idea is individual. There's no one on this planet that's the same as anyone else. So God had an idea for you. He had an idea that is you. And there are things that God wants that idea to continue to become, to continue to do. There is no one on this planet that can do what God created you in advance for you to do. Are your eyebrows up? And are you looking for where God is doing something and choosing to join with the people of God and doing the work of the Lord anywhere. I hope so. Let me read this one more time with all those things in mind. It doesn't matter if it's on the screen, guys. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that's now at work in all those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us, excuse me, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's poema created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It is unnatural for us to do what God has called us to do. It is natural for us to go with our sinful desires and cravings. Now, if you're walking across the street and a car comes and you hear the horn, do what's natural. Jump. Get out of the way. But when it comes to how I treat someone else, when it comes to, to, to how I treat my body, when it comes to how I treat others' bodies, when it comes to everything else, if we do what comes natural, we're giving into the sinful cravings and our desires. That's object of wrath stuff. But if we do what's unnatural to us, but natural to God, and we choose to see others as his idea, ourselves as his idea, and understand that God has no bad ideas, amazing things can happen. Let's continue loving our neighbor as we love ourselves because we love God. That's his idea.
Let's pray. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord, our God. That's how every Jewish prayer begins. Lord, we lift you up because you lifted us up. We were doomed and you made it so we get to spend eternity with you. And while we're here, you have some things you want us to do. Show us what those are and give us the courage to respond to your idea. And Lord, please keep thinking of us. We know you love us just the way we are, but we also know that you're not gonna leave us this way. So help us cooperate and start thinking your ideas about us with you so that we become more the person you've already made us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name, through the power of the Spirit that lives within us, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.